Hello, everybody. We are the Lanky Guys. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. And I am Lanky Guy One. <laughs> and I'm Lanky Guy Two. My name is Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Mussed. And as we said, we're still the Lanky Guys. And it's true because I've been working out in the morning, uh, trying to achieve ever increasing amounts of lank. I got, we got an email. We got our first, e- no, we got our second, well, we got our first two emails this week. Ooh. One of them was from Ben Stutland. Hey, Ben. Confirming that indeed he does believe that we're lanky. Well, Ben, thank you for your vote of confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, I, I think our, our listenership is increasing. That's what, that's what I hear. Because, you know, before it would be like everybody would download it on Thursday. Yeah. And then... Nothing would happen, and then it would just be like zero for a number of days. But now, I mean, like, it's like downloaded about like twenty times in a day. Nice, thanks everybody. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Thanks for thinking of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> because we we like to think of you. Oh yeah, we Let's... have to we have to pretend when we're in the basement here that there's crowds of people all sitting around listening. I see them all out the back window there, flocks of them, like like listening to Jesus on the hillside. It's, it's... No, that's terrible. It We're is. not Jesus. No, but actually, we—I mean, we have—we we participate in we him. We do. We know that's true. We are one body. One body. Here's a, here's a here's a um, trivia question. What oh, was yes. that? What was that song from? World Youth Day. Nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, no, I was there, man. Dude, ninety-three was like it was epic. We were like we were there. We were there. Were you there? I was there. That was my first real conscious experience of the church as the church. I mean, I, I grew up going to mass and stuff, but it, then I went to World Youth Day and I, I think I just went because I wanted to meet cute girls. But I was like, this is this is real. This is something bigger than I thought it was. I mean, I knew the church was big, but it was just, it was a profound experience being at Cherry Creek Reservoir and seeing millions of people or hundreds of thousands. I think it hit, hit like maybe, I don't know how many it hit. I want to say it was like six or 700,000, something like that. Man, well, I'll tell you, when we were... Um, it was profound for a 13-year-old. Like oh. 14-year-old, something like that. Yeah, we were we were right around that. I, I remember um, my parents took us shopping downtown, and I didn't know the Pope was in town. <laughs> Did, I had no idea. And Did you run into him at the mall? Well, no, but we were downtown, and there was like people dancing and singing and there was flags all over the place yeah. and civics. and i was like i was like dad what's happening and he says the pope's coming and i'm <laughs> like i didn't know he was that big of a deal really <laughs> i'm such a little 14 year old no punk that's, and, that was totally my perspective too and, and but and then, then I went, I but like, then oh. i was like i'm catholic how can i join in totally and totally. so so there was um there was a, a, a guy that i used to skateboard with and his dad was really involved in the church and he was a youth leader at uh, saint james and um and uh, so <laughs> what ends up happening is he ended up getting me a ticket and we, we went down to, to the, to Cherry Creek and, nice. and we pilgrimaged out there. But so, I didn't, I did didn't you do the walk. I did, but I had a panic attack during the walk. Really? Yeah. Because I had realized about, um, I don't know, two, two, three weeks earlier that me and my friends were in Aurora staying at his friend's dad's house. And we used to like to s- steal signs 
And so we had stolen like a bunch of the pilgrimage signs telling them where to go. So oh, all of a sudden, like I'm seeing like these terrible. hundreds of thousands of people going walking the wrong direction. And I'm like, I'm like, I stole the sign. <laughs> the pilgrims are lost. And like, literally I have, I have guilt. I mean, I will, I won't do anything like, I mean, it was the biggest chastening I have ever had to realize that, wow. that my whim and foibles on one fell evening could mislead hundreds of thousands of people. Wow. And everybody it, made it, though. Everybody made it. <laughs> You're it, off the hook. It, I am off the hook. And one guy, my, my friend Mark, um, spelled with a C, he, uh, he saved his, and we all signed each other signs. And huh. I still don't know how I didn't realize the Pope was coming. It was high school. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just don't tune into those sorts of things. No, but you knew enough to steal the signs. Yeah. The, and then, then I can sing the song. I saw the signs. Do you remember they that? Opened up my eyes. Was that Ace of Base? CMC music. Oh, Ace of. No, I don't even remember yeah, who it was. It's, it's 93 what we're talking about here. So, I mean, I'm sure that was huge at the time. It's probably more of an insult to us if either of us do remember who sang that. So let's just, leave, <laughs> let's just leave it be. Let's just leave it be and dig in. Let's get let's into this in, today. Man. Fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time, right? Yes. it's I, Unless you're following our calendar on the website, in which case the, <laughs> it's only the third. What's funny is that, is that the whole thing of Ordinary Time is it's ordinal numbers. Right. So there's a difference between regular numbers and ordinal numbers. Ordinal numbers are not one, two, three, four, five. Ordinal numbers are counting numbers. So it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth. So it, it, impl it implies a progression. Uh-huh. So th th there is an ordering uh, with an end. So it so that there's a but but it's really funny because the first Sunday of ordinary time doesn't exist. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because we were I was troubled by this. This is why I miss it's miss uploaded the website. Yeah. So it's it's not like ordinary time one, ordinary time two, oh. ordinary time three. So if there's it's, like a feast day in the middle of ordinary time, it will just it won't. Okay, so what happens if you're like on the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time, and then the next Sunday is is some sort of a feast? Let's say it's the first Sunday in Lent, like it's going to be this year. Okay. Then Ordinary Time pauses. Okay, so it pauses, and then just picks right back up where it left off. Yes. <laughs> but the baptism of the Lord really is the first Sunday of Ordinary Time. It's a both and. We're I Catholic. Learned. I know. It's it's just crazy. So mm -hmm. we're, we're cool. in the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time. We, cool. we just got done building a wall with Nehemiah last week. That's right, the temple. And you're back. By the way, welcome back to Boulder. You were at the March for Life last week with 600,000 of your best friends. I Yes, I was. And I will tell you, Colorado, I, I haven't even worn a coat this week. Nice. Because Although it was cold yesterday. Yeah, we had snow. We got a big time snowstorm. It wasn't even cold well, compared to small times. Washington D.C., dude. I had long johns, two pairs of pants. <laughs> I had two pairs of socks, like six shirts on. Were they both it, clerical pants? It, they were actually, <laughs> <laughs> and my long johns were black. Just because, and but my socks were my my socks were black and white. I uh, black and yellow striped. Oh, the CU for, socks for CU, University of Colorado. But man, it was so cold. It just pounded right through. East Coast cold, man, is awful. I, it's just ooh, the worst. Colorado cold, it's wet. Oh, it just, just yeah. Sickening. God bless you all on the East Coast. Anybody who's listening out there, may you find someday the ability to warm up. Because you go inside and you still wouldn't warm up. You I could know. be sitting in front of like a blast furnace and you'd be like, Doesn't help. I'm like, my bones are still cold. Where's the. <laughs> I feel like an old man now. Yeah, my bones are cold. Oh, yeah, I can't stand the cold. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it's the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time. We're back to, uh, we're back to Jeremiah. 
We we've are. Been, we've we've kind of been in a Jeremiah-ish tradition the last few weeks before, right? Right. I know we we talked about Jeremiah a few times. I'm, Jeremiah and Isaiah. I'm con- increasingly convinced that there's no logic to this. I mean, there may be this, no. but but I mean, we got so yes. Okay. I, there's some logic, okay. and we will discover it. And if you know it out there, the listening audience, please email, email us. Email us. Thank you, guys, at thomascenter.org. You can do one of our two emails so far. Respondents. Except for Gmail. Gmail sent me a bunch of stuff about it. <laughs> okay. I need to set up my page. But other than that, you can add to that. Hello, we are the Gmail robot. Your email address is not functioning properly. Change your backdrop to <laughs> stars or mountains. Or ninjas. Dude, I have ninjas in there. You do? You can get ninjas? Oh, yeah. I'll have to look into that. All right, so, so we're in Jeremiah. Yes. And I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah's so Jeremiah, here, here's the first thing I want to say about Jeremiah. We get this is one of those passages where we jump a little bit. So we get the very beginning of Jeremiah, and then we jump into verse 17, which is uh, it's just strange. So we start off, but we get that, that this opening words of Jeremiah. It says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. This is also one of those, speaking of the March for Life, this is one of the the popular pro-life phrases, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So that, you know, there's, there's personhood before here. Um, Jeremiah, I love, though, because Jeremiah, no other prophetic book in the Old Testament gives you the personality like Jeremiah does. You get yeah. you get deep into the heart of Jeremiah. He's sometimes called the weeping prophet because he's, he's so real in a certain sense. You just get so much of him. Actually, we've talked about Isaiah in this podcast as well because he appeared for quite a few Sundays. And Isaiah gives this whole passage about what he calls the suffering servant. And there's going to be this figure who's, uh, who God has appointed and he's going to suffer greatly. You do get the impression that Jeremiah considers himself the suffering servant of Isaiah. So I think he's read Isaiah mm. and I think he sees himself as the suffering servant because he does kind of quote and allude to things that, that uh, Isaiah said. In this section, so what we don't get in the first reading yeah. uh, is we don't get the section where the Lord says, "All right, don't 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 give me excuses oh, now." The calling, yeah. Well, because because basically he says, "I know you before I formed you in the womb," and he says, "Now don't tell me that I'm only young and that I ain't got yeah. I ain't got what it takes." He says, "This is not going to be it." Because who else said that in the Bible? Who's no. who's reminding us of? I don't know. Who said I don't speak very well? Moses. I can't do this. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because he says similar things. I'm a youth. I don't speak well. He sounds like Moses. And actually, for that reason, the scholars think the book of Exodus and the story of Moses is actually really helpful for interpreting what, what Jeremiah is up to because it has a lot of uh, it has a lot of uh, references back to Exodus. And to Moses. Oh, and that's why even the formation in the womb and how uh, he would be a youth and how he yeah, was exactly. how he cast. He's cast into this intense place already totally. off the bat. There's wow. That echo is beautiful. Yeah, it does. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then, and then he says, whoever you go, I'm going to make you speak to them. Don't be afraid of them. I'm going to deliver you. And then the mm-hmm. Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Yeah. Said to me. Which I, is also just like Isaiah. Remember the beginning of Isaiah? Isaiah starts with, the, with him caught up in the throne room of God. He says, I, I'm not worthy to be here. So the angel touches his lips. Remember that? Yeah. With the burning coal. Well, and it's it's interesting because in, in your class on Revelation that you've been giving, mm. um, which is still going on, there's two, 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 more two more weeks. So please come down if you're hearing this in a timely fashion. Um, Tuesdays, uh, noon, Wednesdays at 7. Uh, but uh, what you were saying in that class is that 
anytime the Lord touches your mouth and you have a vision of the throne room, basically (laughs) it's going to be an oracle against the temple. Totally. And you, what you're about to do is you, you now have the, uh, the, it's a, it's a special vocation is called throwing down. <laughs> it's, and it, and it's, it basically, and that's, by the way, throw in I N apostrophe throw in down throw in down yeah, yeah that that is a special uh, a gift that you have and and that's why he's like don't give me excuses you're oh, going in he's 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 like if you're obedient this is gonna happen yeah it's funny what does he say so again this is in the part that we don't get when, but when God calls him and he says I'm I'm a youth I don't speak well. Um, God's response to him is what? Do you remember what God responds to? Again, it's not in the reading this week, but do you remember God's answer? It's the same answer he gave to Moses. And it's actually uh, the same answer he gives to Mary. Remember when the angel appears to Mary and she says, he says, he says you're going to have this child. You know, you're, you're not married. This is going to be kind of rough, but you're going to bear this child. And she says, how can this be? I don't understand. All three of them get the exact same response. Three words. God says, I am with you. Which is interesting. Whenever in the Bible you see the words, I am with you, whenever God says that, it's big time trouble. Oh. You're going to have a big time cross. So he says it to Moses. Moses is going to have to go through Pharaoh and the most powerful man on earth. He says it to Jeremiah and people try to kill Jeremiah. He says it to Mary, who's got to face this idea of pregnancy and everyone's going to think you know, all these things about her. She's going to have a sword pierce her heart. Yeah. Anytime you see the words, I am with you, it means this person's up for a real, real big challenge. Wow. Well, what's what's beautiful too is that um, Mary echoes the words of the Father. Um, so Mary says in the wedding feast of Cana, we had a yeah. few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last you know, do whatever Tuesday. He tells you. That's right. our that's a famous line, right. and it says, "Say to them everything that I command you." Oh, you're right. Do yeah, that's a good connection. And so, in some ways, Mary's echoing the Father's words back to wow. us. As she's saying them to Jeremiah. Wow. Do That's kind of cool. Do everything I tell you. <laughs> wow, you're right. And so when Mary says that, she's actually, if she knows Jeremiah, which I have a seeking suspicion oh, that sure she, she did, does. that she's echoing and saying, Absolutely. do whatever he tells you. Yeah, totally. It, so it's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So we got Jeremiah. He's, God's basically saying, hey, I, I've chosen you. I'm going to be with you. But then in the, in the rest of the reading that we get, we get the bad news. And he says, so, but you gird up your loins, stand up and tell them all that I command you, which is not going to be good news. He doesn't know it yet, but it's going to be bad. Be not crushed on their account. Again, why, why is God telling him not to be afraid, not to feel crushed? Because he's going to feel crushed and afraid. Right? God <laughs> wouldn't have to point it out otherwise. It's, it's kind of like the Beatitudes. Yeah, totally. He, the Lord is saying, these things are blessings. Remember it. Remember that. Yeah. When you're mourning and poor. Seriously. But listen to this. This is really cool. He says, for, for though I would leave you crushed before them, as though I... Oh, don't, don't feel crushed as though I would leave you crushed before them. For it is I this day who have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass. Do you know what those three sentences... So a fortified city, a pillar of iron, wall of brass. Do you know what those are references to? I, have, I don't. If you're, a first, if you're a Jewish person living in Jeremiah's time, what are you thinking of when he says that? What's, a, what's, a, what's the fortified city? Uh, I mean, I could take a wild guess and say Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah of course it's Jerusalem. And I mean, the strong walls, this is the temple, the pillars. Oh, He's talking about the temple. He's saying basically he's using the language for the temple. I mean, people think of Jerusalem as this big city with a temple in it. Yes. But in the Jewish mindset, Jerusalem was a temple that happened to have a city around it. I mean, the temple was oh. everything. So these are all 
they would have been thinking about the temple. What's Jeremiah going to be called to do? He's going to be called to go to the people and tell them that the temple is about to be destroyed because of their sin. So I think it's interesting at the very beginning of the book, we know where the story is going. Jeremiah is going to have to give this really hard message. So as he begins it, God is actually using the terms for the temple and its strength and defining Jeremiah that way. You are the fortified city. You are these strong walls. You are this pillar. The temple's not anymore because it's, it's passing away. But it's an interesting connection if you know the rest of the book. You're going to suffer big time, and you're going to suffer in light of the temple and its destruction. So he's using these kind of definitions. It's interesting. But that's going to tie into the new in the in the gospel reading in a big way. Yeah. Well, in and then kings and princes, priests and people, they mm. will fight against you, but not prevail. For yeah. I am with you. I take so much solace from the words, "I will not." The be not crushed on their account mm. as if I would leave you crushed before them. Yeah. I think that we need always to remember that we see this in light of the Paschal mystery. See, that's the other thing is that if Jeremiah sees himself as the suffering servant, mm. then, and the, but that we know that the foreshadowing is, is only a shadow of what will to come. We right. see Jesus as the yeah. servant yeah. and, but that we're called Christian. We're incorporated into Christ that we yeah. must remember specifically in this age when the church is about the least popular reality on the, on the wide yeah. secular scale, yeah. um, that the Lord isn't going to leave us crushed. Yeah. So again, it's like be... what Jesus says in the Gospels, right? I'm, the gates of hell. I'm going to establish my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why does Jesus need to point out the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, unless it was going to seem like the gates of hell are about to prevail against the church, right? <laughs> why, is... why does he have to point these things out unless you're actually going? To... You know that that be not afraid or do not fear or some variation of that. Yeah, is that term is repeated 366 times in the Bible. Throughout the Old and New Testaments, which means there's one for every single day of the year, plus a leap year. That's really good. Which just tells you that there's something really important. We need to remember that. And it's repeated so many times because it's going to be hard to remember. Be not afraid. Open wide the doors to cry. That was German. That is German. <laughs> das ist German. Das We're is quoting Pope John Paul II. Yeah, get out of 90 everything that he ever said ever. Amen. Okay, so the Lord is with us, so we better start to sing of his salvation. Which is the psalm, right? Yep. So that's the responsorial. I will sing of your salvation. I will sing of your salvation. Coming from Psalm 71. Again, we dance around the psalm this time. There's a couple of cool... What, what, you, you said you wouldn't tell me what it was, but you said you, you saw some cool connections. What do you got? <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at it again, and I realize that it's the exact same connection that you made. Awesome. Yeah. But we didn't tell them that. No, we didn't tell them that. Well, I made I made a great connection. <laughs> Scott. What do you got? The connection that I made when I looked at this is that in the one, two, three, fourth strophe of the psalm that we will be singing yeah. is the second to last, depending on how you count. It is a I cool, count that as the third. That is the third. Because there are four. Did I say fourth or the left fifth? You said fourth. Man, I don't it's even... It's okay. It's what's happening. It's... <laughs> <laughs> we ate lunch before this, and it was a heavy lunch. I think we're getting tired. Sausages. Sausage and chicken. Sausage chicken. Hugh ate chicken in the pimento loaf, and I ate good. sausage and peppers alone. <laughs> I Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> You weren't alone, but you ate that and nothing else. Yes. I was here. You were, you were here with me. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, of course, from the third the third strophe is that my mother's womb, yeah. I 
from my mother's womb, you are my strength. Yeah. And so we, we see, of course, the, this, this notion of, of foundational yeah. consideration yeah. and, and that, um, uh, salvation, uh, you know, Dr. Mario Chavez today who talked to us and, uh, he, he, he said he defined salvation as being made whole. Have you heard that before? I haven't, but I, I thought it was an intriguing definition. It I, is an intriguing. It is. So tear. Soteriology is the is being, I mean. Well, soter is the Greek word for salvation. Oh. I don't, yeah. So that's cool. I, I liked it. I did too. Doctor, and, by the way, shout out Dr. Mario Chavez, who's a uh, an amazing doctor of chiropractic down in Littleton, Colorado. He's uh, he's our shout out for this week. <laughs> shout out to the doctor. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he came to talk to us today about uh, about his. Uh, being made whole and wholeness, yeah. and and, the, and how beautiful the design of the body was. And he fixed your neck. And he did. He fixed my neck. And it's it's actually it's funny. He's like, yeah, I, I he says chiropractic. Normally, people think that you're like crushing bones and like break, you know, snapping backs and like, and like the violent, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's, yeah. and it's, he's he's like basically I tickle people's ear and send them home. <laughs> I mean, like that's about what it is. And uh, it's, it's the most gentle thing. But then afterwards, your body is like as you're like feeling everything, and you're like wow. And then you're like awake and alive. You want to run a marathon. I know one person who gets adjusted and gets totally hungry. Because, yeah. yeah immediately wow That's and weird. yeah it's 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 very cool but <laughs> okay. the lord knows our body yeah. he knows our soul he knows everything that we are from our from the womb from before all, all time he yeah. knows how he designed us we yeah. you know and and uh and and that's why like the wholeness of who we are is what our destiny is like we are really meant to be fully entirely ourselves totally and yeah, totally. uh, and so when Jeremiah's mission, he considered himself the suffering service because times was hard. I mean, like he he really had a he had a hard experience, I mean, and, and really he was a suffering servant. Yeah, he but might not have been the the suffering servant. But you know, the scriptures have varying levels of fulfillment. But we have to sing this. You are mm-hmm. my my trust, O God, from my youth. It's it's like it's like a love song. Yeah, it, you know, you know how it's like that. But th- it's a love song for hard times. I mean, it's it's clearly the psalmist is. I mean. Talking about being a rock of refuge and giving him safety, it means that he's surrounded by things that are not safe, and he needs refuge. It's all sort of implying that, right? Did you have anything else for the psalm? Um, just this. I, I read this quote to you earlier. There's a there's a quote. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, it is. It's it's alluding to this psalm. It was a, a quote by a guy named um, Venerable Polycarp, who was the bishop of Smyrna. He lived in the first second century, so super early on in the church. And he was an early Christian who was put to death for his proclamation of the gospel. And they basically, they put him on trial and they say, well, well, if you deny Christ, and if you don't deny your faith, um, we'll let you go. If you don't, we're going to kill you in this violent way. And here's what he said. And he's alluding to this psalm specifically. He said, for 86 years, I have served him and he has done me no wrong. So how can I now blaspheme the king who saved me? It's just cool. I mean, I, I'm, he's facing hard times. He's facing trouble. Yeah. Just like the psalmist. But he's saying he's never, he's never turned his back on me. How can I do it to him? Yeah. And he went to his martyrdom. But it's just, it was a neat uh, putting in context of that. So the psalm, sing it well. Sing it loud. Sing it proud. Mm-hmm. What do you got for the second reading? Have you, you've seen Wedding Crashers? 
No, I haven't. Uh, don't I was want... thinking of The Wedding Singer when you no, said no, that. No, like, no. no, I haven't seen it. No, that. it's a totally inappropriate movie that's not okay <laughs> <but> <laughs> okay. that I'm making mention Great. of. Perfect. And uh, and and w- they they just they just go to like weddings. So it's like uh, it's it's Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn going <laughs> going to going to weddings and crashing Wilson. them. And, and and so at one point they, they lean over in the Catholic mass and they're like they're like ten bucks. It's First Corinthians. <laughs> and, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's hilarious. So th- what I have for so you. That's our connection. Yeah. <laughs> what I have for you on the uh, on the the second reading is that it's. It's used in weddings a lot. <laughs> it is. Well, here's one. You want, you want to know something kind of cool about this? Yeah. So first of all, okay, it, it all does tie in. I mean, the, the idea of the whole, it, and the wedding part, the father's alluding to us, the whole love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, it's not pompous, da-da-da-da-da. So in Catholic marriage, I mean, it, it's difficult. It's, it's challenging when two people come together. It's hard. And so it needs to point out that love has to be patient and kind and not jealous and not inflated. Again, it has to be said because there's going to be impatience, unkindness, inflation, and ego. You know, when I was, uh, I think I was in high school, but I had a, a, a youth minister challenge all of us in the youth group to say, what if you took this passage and you inserted your own name where love is? Could you read it with a straight face? Could you say, Scott is patient, Scott is kind, Scott is not jealous, not boastful. You know, Scott is not inflated, is not rude, et cetera, et cetera. How does it sound, you know, that way? And it was it was really convicting for me. I was like, wow, that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was a good challenge with it. It's an, it's a, it is a beautiful reading. And it does get read a lot at weddings, but there's I think there's a good reason for it. You know, That's uh, all I, got. I, I don't really have a whole lot of connection to this for the second reading. I mean, uh, other than the, the fact that, again, it's... You read it a lot at weddings? Yeah. I well, mean, you don't read it. No, somebody else reads reading. it. I mean, you know, present we in, see indistinctly as in a mirror, but mm. we will know him face to face. And, well, uh, that's that's kind of a cool line, isn't it? And then I shall know fully as I am fully known. So, I mean, kind of that, that was a little bit of what we're talking about uh, before, about how Jesus knows uh, the, the true holy life of God totally knows us and that we're really meant to be entirely who we are. And so, yeah. and so... Uh, everything will remain, all the great stuff. And I think that the greatest, you know, reminder is that if we are actually willing to live virtue Mm. of patience, kindness, not self-seeking, not rude, and all the, all these, these echoes here, that in fact we become ourselves, which is, is it actually feels really hard to die to yourself because it's, it's really fearful that you're going to say, I'm going to lose yourself. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to lose my person. I'm going to lose my personality. And, mm. and, and, and I know in marriage that that happens because you now are hooked up with this person and you're going like, you know, am I going to actually be me if I give in? If I and give I, everything. If I give everything and I actually compromise and yeah. say, hold on, I'm going to put the will of another or the mind of another or the opinion of another before my oh, own. And and that's and that's that's really hard. And in some ways, that's that that's the request of God. It is, is and it's in the priesthood too. I mean, in a certain sense, you're doing that with the bishop. And my right? st- you're a priest. You you have to, um, you have to obey what's asked of you. You know, you have to put your will second. And, and my, God ultimately, obviously, yeah, yeah. And my staff, yeah. And my people, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, obedience is 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 about paying attention to what God is asking you with every single concrete aspect of your life. Yeah. The the bishop will have influence in ask you some specific things, 
but to to be willing to to say I'm not going to be self-seeking, and in yeah. fact, my marriage is is such that I really do put people before myself. And there's plenty of bad marriages where people are self-seeking, and there's plenty of bad parishes where the pastors are self-seeking and do all these things. And you can see it; you can see the fruits. Yeah, don't talk about the parish like that. Sorry, man. Around me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, which br- brings us now to finally looking. Twisty gospel. Twiz- the gospel's great. The gospel's fun because it picks up seamlessly with last week. So remember last week we uh, we were in the synagogue in Nazareth. Jesus went back. It's his hometown. He was declaring the jubilee year. I know, and they're like, "The boy's good." Well, <laughs> they start out that way, and that's what it says here. So Jesus declares this year of jubilee, which was this Old Testament reference to this year where you would set at liberty, you know, those who are in slavery and debt and give back land, do all this great stuff. And uh, so that's where we pick it up. So it says, Jesus began to speak in the synagogue saying, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And everyone's pumped about it. They all spoke highly. Partially because I think we talked about this, didn't we? I think everybody thinks, oh, he's declaring this year of Jubilee. We're all going to be set free, which means he's going to go after the Romans. He's going to overthrow the empire that's over us. They're the bad guys. They're the ones to be defeated, right? But that's where everything gets kind of kind of weird. So they're all speaking highly. They were all amazed at his gracious words. And they asked, isn't this the son of Joseph? I mean, isn't this the guy we, you know, we played football with when we were growing up? And he's making these big statements. And he said to them, so he senses, then he kind of turns on them, doesn't he? He does. We don't know exactly what happened because other gospels um, record, they get a little bit ticked off. And they're saying, well, wait a second. We know this guy. Who does he think he is? We grew up with this guy. And so he says, you know, surely you'll, you'll quote me this proverb saying physician heal your heal yourself heal yourself heal yourself and do here in your native place the things that we heard you did in capernaum and he says amen i say to you no prophet is accepted in his own place indeed i tell you there were many widows in the in israel in the days of elijah when the sky was closed and it goes on and talks about these these two cases in the time of elijah this comes from the book of second kings when elijah all right let, let's back up a second because here's where i think it gets really interesting and connects with Jer- with jeremiah in a pretty big way Oh, okay. Okay, hold on. So we're going to Kings to connect to Jeremiah, to connect to Luke? Yes. It's the book of Kings, better than diamond rings. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So for 2 Kings, so Elijah, story of Elijah, Elijah and Elisha. There's these two really important figures. And a little bit of context, super quick crash course. 2 Kings were in the northern kingdom. This was a part of Israel that sort of broken off from Jerusalem, from the temple. They're doing terrible things. They're worshiping their own gods. They built their own temples. You know, they're ordaining their own priests. Really, really bad news stuff. And you got Elijah and Elisha, these kind of two voices in the wilderness who are called to go out to these people that are far away from God, that have wandered away from them, and to bring them back, basically. And did, wh- did they do most of their uh, ministry up in Tyre and Sidon in that region? Sort of. It was all the Northern Kingdom. Tyre and Sidon were coastal communities in the Northern Kingdom, which are almost the northernmost. They're pretty close. Yeah, they're pretty close to that. Zebulun and Naphtali are the the northern two most tribes. Got it. And I think they're they're in Zebulun, I believe. I need to look at a map. But I think so. They're pretty. They're pretty I'm gonna I'm gonna name my firstborn Zebulun. I hope you don't have a firstborn. Me too. <laughs> That's why I, I can I make that joke you a lot. Can say that because I'm, I'm like name I'm my like numbers. <laughs> I'm gonna name my no, firstborn because because yeah you already okay. I already have two. I digress. No, it's cool. But here here's the point. So what these readings are saying is that Elijah and Elisha they went and they healed lepers, they fed people, they did all these miracles, but they did them among they did them to non-Israelites. 
And so Jesus quote so so here Jesus is in his synagogue in Nazareth. Everybody's waiting for the day when God's going to come and show that they are the chosen people. Everybody else sucks. They're the greatest. Yep. They're going to be they're going to get their kingdom and everyone's going to look at them and say look look at how great these guys are. And they're getting big headed. And Jesus gives these two quotes saying, "You know what? When Elijah and Elisha were called, they went to non-Israelites. The only places that they were called to go heal and do these amazing things were to people outside of the covenant family and that ticked people off and that ticks people off here because they're thinking wait 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 a second what we're waiting for is to become great again we want our national identity back and jesus said you know what it's just like in those days when god sent somebody outside and that's where it goes back to jeremiah because what's jeremiah going to do jeremiah he's called as a prophet of god to go to israel to the central community to the capital city and say you know what you are the problem we are the problem the people of god and this isn't this isn't against any you know ethnic group or another. It's it's Jeremiah who is an Israelite saying Israel's the problem. We have to clean up our own act before we can be a light to the world. Yeah, and they don't want to hear it, and they don't like that, and they want to kill him. Just like when Jesus is going to go to the temple later on and say, you know what, the Romans aren't the problem. Caesar's not the problem. The centurions, they're not the problem. We are the problem. Yeah. And as soon as he says that, what happens within a couple of days? He's Death. crucified. He's put on a cross because he's saying you are not it. And it, it's so funny because he shows up in the synagogue. Everyone's thinking, okay, he's going to overthrow our enemies, which is true. But the reality is our enemies are not who we thought they were. Our enemies are not those people out there. Our enemies are Satan working through us and causing us to do things we shouldn't do. And nobody wants to hear that. I think that's the connection, though. I think it's bang on. It's going to be rough, though. I mean, that's the whole point. This is going to be tough. And Jesus is going to go from here. I mean, the gospel only goes downhill from here. I mean, everyone starts speaking favorably. It's good news. But then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until he's crucified. Yeah, but it, well, worse. Seemingly uh, worse. Seemingly uh, in relationship to what he's doing. I mean, yeah. he, he is directly from the foundation of what he's doing, picking a fight with the temple. Yeah, totally. Which but, is what Jeremiah is doing. Which is Jesus a, actually quotes Jeremiah. So the whole den of, you've made this place a den of robbers. Yes. Those are Jeremiah's words. So Jesus is leaning heavily on what Jeremiah is doing. And, and, that's, and that's the reason why at the foundational level of the, his ministry, we're being reminded of Jeremiah's work exactly. to say, you know, do not, I will not leave you crushed before them. Right. And like, because Jesus, Jesus in his humanity even needs reminding of the Father from that. But think of how profound that is. I mean, he's saying, I'm not going to leave you crushed. What happens to Jesus at the end of his, his earthly life? He is crushed. He is crushed. I mean, what's the worst thing you could do to somebody? You could kill them. And it happens to Jesus. But what God is saying is the worst thing that could happen to a human being is not the worst thing that could happen. Because he takes, God takes the worst thing that could happen to anyone, which is death, and he just negates it. And Jesus, three days later, he's out of the ground again. He's like, hey, everybody, I'm back. What are you going to do now? <laughs> now what? You can't yeah. kill him again. I mean, it's done. There's nothing you can do. There's, which is what the Christian message is. There's nothing you can do to take away Christian hope. Because no. the worst thing you could ever do to somebody doesn't matter now. Yeah, and, well, and it's also Eucharistic. And that's actually right. where these readings point. Hmm. Because Jesus is crushed on our account. Right. Eucharistically. Wheat it has to be crushed has to, to be, be crushed to, to be joined, bread. to joined to the the other wheat berries around it. Yeah, so does a grape to become wine. Yeah, and and so and but yet th- that crushing is not the final word of what it is. Yeah, it's utterly transformed at its heart into the entire penultimate 
summit of all of everything that was and is and shall be forever. But only through the crushing. Crushing is the only way you can do it. Yes, it's through the crushing, and that's where the resurrection is. That's which awesome. is, so my friends, do not be crushed on. Well, on, do be crushed, but don't be afraid of it. Yeah, and be transformed in it. Be cool about it. Be cool about it. Thanks, thanks. We love you. We think that you are wonderful, all six people who actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> and the rest of you who have it just sitting on your iPod for some time. <laughs> and when you listen to this, you'll, you'll, you'll uh, be resurrected in yes. the Word. So we'll see you at Mass. See you in the Eucharist, my friends. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.